1: Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy. On today's show, our White House correspondent Greg Cluxton talks about Trump and the special counsel Robert Mueller, White House staffing, and today's announcement on the opioids crisis. Also, what is original sin and where has it gone? Our guest is Roger Olson. Here are our hosts now, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, good afternoon. Welcome to the Monday
2: edition of The Ride Home. You know, everybody likes to do a little sightseeing. And could you blame a bobcat from trying to get a free ride no. on the Gateway Clipper yesterday?
3: No, I mean, it was a beautiful, sunny day. He was probably thinking, you know, I thought the snow would go on forever.
2: So let's go out and see the bridges with right. everybody else. Right. So uh, the news is that yesterday morning, before a scheduled trip on the Gateway Clipper, that the, uh, the crew does a walkthrough to make sure that all things are ship-shaped, so to speak. And apparently they were like, "Whoa, look at that!" Now there was a bobcat, and uh, the Pittsburgh Police and um, Animal Control in the city of Pittsburgh have said, "Well, we've had many reports of bobcats in the past, but this is the first time." Actually, nev-
3: I've never heard of a bobcat in Pittsburgh. Yeah. I-, I never have. Have you? No. Like there are I all can't. these reports, but I've never heard of any. Yeah. I'm so- not saying people should be reporting their bobcats to me, but it's. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I would have known. I think
2: there's a bobcat in the yard. I better call it cat, Yeah. So a bobcat. There's a photograph. Um, it looks like a. It's not like a you know a tiger or a lion.
3: It looks a little bit like one of my cats. Don't you think? I, it's like the brown version of one of my cats.
2: Twice the size of a regular house cat. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure much.
3: I'll be honest with you. My cat's a little overweight, and yours is much more so. None of my cat's fine. I don't Pipe think down your there. cat Keep it to is fine. He is fine. No, the spark could lose a few. I, I'm telling you, the sparks big cat. What? Yeah, I'm just I'm, I'm not no, trying no. to insult you, John. I'm just trying to be honest. You know, I mean, what? I've seen the cat, I've been around the cat, and I feel like
2: when you like sort of mat your cat's hair, oh. like sort of hold it back. Oh,
3: okay. No, wait. Now, okay. Now that I'm looking at another picture, we're looking at the PG right now. Mm. It is, it is, it is much bigger than the oh, cat. Yeah. Cats. yeah it's a... Isn't it beautiful? It's
2: gorgeous, absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. So they took the
3: oh, the that was my stomach bobcat's here. No, not no, only no. in the Gateway Clipper, it's in the studio okay. with the mic. Look
2: out. Be careful. Uh, They took – what I love about it is they rescued the cat and then they took him elsewhere uh, back into the wild. Good. Far from the city. Great. Which is, I'm sure, much appreciative.
3: He might be disappointed. He might have been liking the urban lifestyle. He may
2: have. You wonder if – what do you think? He's garbage? He's like garbage picking?
3: I don't know anything about bobcats. I mean, did you ever see any kind of wild animal in your neighborhood growing up?
2: No. However, I'm glad you brought this up. All winter long – and I mean all winter long – in our little side yard there's been a family of like eight deer just hanging out sleeping
3: well, That's nice Yeah, very nice. I love uh, that. Yeah.
2: I was hoping to sort of wait for their um their horns to fall. Yeah. Off. Do they
3: fall off? Ask Mike. And I Mike don't think do I don't think they're called horns. What I mean are they isn't called? it they're, called a rack? The rack. Yeah, they fall off.
2: Yeah. I like to find We that's found they them grow new ones. We found them once before and uh, my dog spent uh, the late spring chewing on them.
3: I like the fact that you called them their horns. You can tell that he, John's not a hunter. They're actually good for you to eat. I'm sure they are. Chew on. A
2: little salt and pepper. Ew. That's yeah. like, You're I making that that's up. It. No. No, there's like, you know. That's
3: gross. There's like a
4: protein inside of it.
3: Get yeah. out of here. It's pretty good. <laughs> not, not you,
2: but other animals. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> My dog. Well, he
3: said me. He said you. Would you imagine that?
2: <laughs> Inviting friends over to chew on a horn? That's what horn. I was... I <laughs> they want a deer horn? Listen...
3: That's sick. Mm-hmm. All right. Speaking of sick, what about the th- oh, what about the theft of the rare books from the Carnegie Library? Oh, oh God.
2: <laughs> oh see, <laughs> see that the deer heads made an appearance.
3: I-, I can't believe what's shown up here in the uh, studio, but there <laughs> is that Tippy. It is Tippy Robinette.
2: Our boss has had a, a deer rack for some time. I mean, First it's not in his a, office, then yours. Rack.
3: It's a deer head.
2: Deer head with a rack.
3: Right. <laughs> Believe he's here. Yeah, that's really very pretty, fantastic. Anyway, he's come to be with us in the studio. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's angry at John for saying that he has horns. Sorry,
2: it shows you my outdoor wilderness. Okay, let me just let me just give
3: you the backstory. That one day I was saying in Word FM studios that I am not a hunter and that I like animals in the wild. Yeah, and taxidermy gives me the absolute creeps. Does it? Yes. I don't mind it. I I think it's. Horrible. We were someplace. It's my opinions. So you can send all of your responses Why to Kathy at wordfm.com. I have no problem. Because, because it was a living creature mm-hmm. that was designed by God to live and then die. Yeah. It wasn't designed to be stuffed and to be observed it's, for me. Just saying. That's your opinion. No. My, I'm, I said okay. Kathy at wordfm.com. dot com. Anyway, in response to that, yeah. uh, management here at Word FM decided to treat me in a way that is, you know, respectful. Mm-hmm. And I came in the next day, and there was a deer head mm. <laughs> that was attached to my wall. <laughs> That fully, was out there for fully several years. Fully taxidermed. Mm-hmm. Fully taxidermed and wearing sunglasses.
2: And still exists. And still is in my office Obviously, to this day. Then, just
3: to remind me that my opinion doesn't count no, for much.
2: Just keep on moving forward. That's <laughs> for sure.
3: Okay, back to the rare books at Carnegie Library. How about
2: this? Some five, estimated $5 million in rare books have been stolen. And now, uh, this is just discovered last year. Uh, the rare book room was closed April 3rd, 2017. Uh, after many, many books, some 314 items were discovered when an insurance appraisal was taking place as missing. Some of these books go back to the year 1500. And one book itself is valued at like $3.4 million. Many, many Bibles as well from the 1700s, from the 1500s. Uh, It looks to me as though it's an inside job.
3: Suzanne Thinnis who's a library spokeswoman, said quote we're very saddened by the breach of trust I'm reading from the post because that article by Mary Lynn Pence. she said this theft occurred over an extended period of time by a knowledgeable individual or individuals mm-hmm. she said the library could not provide an exact value of the missing okay so what does that mean so they didn't notice no That's For just, i'm
2: not it might, it might be decades
3: I, listen i have been in the carnegie library hundreds of times yeah. This is the Oakland version, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. So you were let me-, let me. Let me shut off my 50, alarm. 50,000 watts of alarm.
3: I've been in there so many times, and if I try to leave with a paperback that, believe me, has already been scanned and is on my library card, it still beeps when I'm going out the door. Yeah. So, how do you escape with Isaac Newton's Philosophy Naturalis Principia Mathematica from London, dated 1687, without the beep?
2: Either before security was in place, or someone who worked at the library who knew Security's the value. Security's been
3: in place there for decades, twenty years. Oh, more than more than ten years. All I know is I've been going regularly to the Carnegie in Oakland, fifteen years, and huh. and it's been full security.
2: Well, it has to be someone who you know has an inside scoop on this. That's what I would think.
3: Well, it's going to be obvious, isn't it? Because the, I mean, the only reason to steal them is to try to sell them. That's a small, Maybe not. that's a small market. Yeah. That is a small market. So the that's, word's been sent out. Words, words out. I mean, yeah. there's no way that this person's going to be able to get away with this. But if
2: it was decades ago, that's in somebody else's library. You think
3: it's, they, they're saying it's that long? Could be. Well, is that what, I mean, she does say extended period of time. I didn't, yeah. I mean, to me that meant eight months. Oh, you no. think that means 10 years?
2: Th- could be. Yeah. That's what I think. A long, so long time. So they didn't time.
3: realize that Sir Isaac Newton's book was missing?
2: It looks like it was pretty loose.
3: It's another copy of that book sold for three point seven million dollars at it's Christie's. Sitting
2: Just sitting out. How can that be? I don't know. I'm sure there'll be changes now.
3: You, you know think? what? We, when we were talking about this before the uh, before we went to air with New Mike, what New Mike said is right. H- humans can destroy every good thing. You yeah. have a beautiful library. You have gorgeous books that show you that. Oh, you said it. Look at John's like, no, you Mike didn't no, say Mike's, that. I said that. No, Mike's going, tell no, <laughs> me.
2: He's like, mouthing to me. No, I didn't say it. I said yeah, whichever
3: I said. one of you Nimrods said that. It was what? a good point. Okay? Nimrods. Jeez, it's kind of harsh. Yeah, isn't that sad? You have a gorgeous library. Yeah. You have spectacular books that are hundreds and hundreds of years old, and someone has to, you know, wreck it.
2: Yeah. you have a library card? Hacks me
3: up. Do I have a
2: library card? Carnegie Library?
3: Heck yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I had a special bag that was library only.
2: What do you mean? Just for your library only, books?
3: Only. It had wheels on it because I would take so many books out at a time that it that I, I couldn't carry them all. So
2: you're such a nerd. Listen to me. Truly are.
3: Trying to be who I am. Let me tell you what's coming up on today's show. Okay. Um, in the five o'clock hour, we're happy to welcome our friend David French, senior writer for National Review, senior fellow at the National Review Institute. He's an attorney. He's an author. He's an Iraqi war vet. We've talked to David for years. We consider him a friend for the very first time. David and you and I will be in the same room.
2: Nice. Live in studio, 5 o'clock. Here we're going to go to the White House in a few minutes, and also a little later on the show, Original Sin. Okay. Politics, rare books, Original Sin, and the White House. Oh, yeah, that, that.
4: 101.5 WORD.
5: Barbara Rainey believes that the way most of us celebrate Easter, the resurrection of Jesus, is a little too subdued.
6: We should be jumping and singing and dancing and cheering and lighting candles and setting off fireworks. We want people to know that we belong to the King of Kings. We belong to Jesus and He's alive.
5: Making much of Easter. Next time on Family Life Today with Dennis Rainey.
1: Tomorrow
7: morning at 9 on 101.5 Word FM WORD.
8: Hello friends, Christ Church at Crow Farm invites you to join us for a special service on Good Friday, March 30th, beginning at 6 p.m. We will embark on a service commemorating Christ's death on the cross through special music, hymns, and pastoral reflections on the seven last words of Christ. We hope you will join Christ Church for this unique telling of the gospel on Good Friday as we prepare to celebrate His resurrection on Easter Sunday. For more details on this and all of our services, please check out our website, ccgf.org. That's ccgf.org. For over
7: 35 years, First Baptist Christian School of Butler has quietly offered parents one of the most affordable, high-quality, christian educations around a complete education from pre-k through 12th grade with free busing smaller classes an extremely high teacher student ratio competitive athletics and sat scores well above the national average think an affordable christian education is beyond your reach think again first baptist christian school of butler at butler
4: if you're a mom or dad of a child who struggles you've searched high and low trying everything you can from tutors to counselors specialist to pills you've tried them all with little success you need to know there is a program that has helped tens of thousands of kids just like yours brain balance achievement centers can make a real difference for your child Brain Balance is a drug-free solution that deals with the root cause of issues like ADHD, dyslexia, audio processing, and behavioral challenges. Our combination of sensory motor exercises, academic skill building, and a clean eating plan doesn't just mask the issues, but gets to the root of the problem. If your child has trouble making friends, is disruptive in school, or is frustrated to the point of tantrums, now is the time to call Brain Balance Achievement Centers. Learn more at BrainBalance.com or call 724-390-9012 today.
7: Camping in the great outdoors can be a lot of fun, but it's not the most conducive environment for your next retreat. Antiochian Village offers the best of both worlds with 300 acres of beautiful woodlands near historic Ligonier, plus all the technology and connectivity you need to make your retreat a success. With a 100 hotel-style guest rooms, 18 meeting rooms, and several outstanding full-service dining menus, 10,000 guests every year can't be wrong. Antiochian Village. Book now at antiochianvillage.org.
2: Every Monday, our first guest for the week is Greg Cluxton, who joins us from SRN News, where he is the White House correspondent. Greg, friend, how are you today, sir?
9: I'm well. Good afternoon. Hi, John, Kathy.
3: Good to talk to you, Greg. I guess let's start with the uh, with the revolving door in the White House. Uh, uh, Attorney General Jeff Sessions fired FBI Deputy Director Andrew McCabe March 16th. Uh, What do we know now that we didn't know the day that this happened?
9: Well, this is uh, part of a response that uh, the Justice Department has been looking into through an inspector general's report, so an internal investigation about the department's own handling of uh, various investigations, primarily the email investigation involving Hillary Clinton and whether or not there were uh, you know protocols were followed whether there were rules broken what exactly took place and so at the recommendation of the justice department um Andrew McCabe who who played a role in overseeing and had a supervisory role in that Hillary Clinton email investigation uh was uh, was let go early now he had he had stepped down if you remember a few weeks sure, ago right. uh retired he retired early uh, but left, uh, it, it didn't take place until, until uh, this week, the, the official um, retirement date. And so essentially he, he left office uh, the last few weeks and then was going to be officially retiring. What his uh, firing means now is that he won't be, for example, um, allowed to get his full government pension. Uh, because he was fired as opposed to simply being retired. So that was uh, one of the you know subplots of this whole decision by the Trump administration.
3: Hmm. Right. So is that I'm not sure how the inner workings of this of this go. I mean, do we know that this was President Trump's decision? I mean, he was fired by Jeff Sessions. So I mean, wh- how 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 close is the connection there?
9: Well, we're still waiting for the full inspector general's report to be made public. So we're simply going uh, at this point still on what what we learned about some of the initial um, conclusions. Um, And we don't have the whole picture yet. Uh, But you're right in saying this was a Justice Department recommendation that he be fired for the actions he did or did not take during... Uh, his supervisory role in that email investigation. But but at the same time, we we also know this is exactly um, something that is desired, was desired President Trump. He has been very critical of the FBI, of the Justice Department, even his own attorney general, although it's interesting today at, a, at an event in Manchester, New Hampshire, the, the attorney general was there among uh, some of the cabinet members traveling with the president, and uh, he got a shout-out, uh, Sessions did, from the president. So mm-hmm. we know he's... Uh, He's pleased overall with uh, the action that was taken late last week. Interesting.
2: So yesterday the president tweeted and and essentially crossed the line that Robert Mueller, who was uh, heading the special investigation according to the the, the Russian uh, conspiracy theories and uh, vote fraud, yesterday he was called out by the president. This is a big deal, isn't it?
9: It is uh, because Mueller really hasn't been um, addressed specifically by name by the president before He certainly has expressed his frustration, if not anger, with the ongoing investigation, has claimed repeatedly, and still does, as do his White House spokespeople here, that there was uh, no collusion between his campaign or his administration with Russia or any other country uh but uh this weekend th- something triggered uh you know a, a flurry of these uh of these tweets where he was going after not only Robert Mueller but his assembled team of prosecutors claiming political bias and uh claiming that you know the whole thing is just a a witch hunt which is of course a phrase he's used in the past in describing this um yet at the same time he's claiming his innocence so um you know observers are saying well if the president um, if you know, if he feels so strongly about his innocence and his campaign's, uh, you know, handling of of the situation, uh, and as well as his administration's handling of the administration, uh, why this sort of visceral reaction mm-hmm. and attack against Robert Mueller, when it's clear he uh, that Mueller is getting cooperation from some former key members of the president's inner circle? and uh, that's going to be interesting to see exactly what kind of information he's able to glean from them.
3: Right, so it, ma- it makes me think one of two things, and I'm not particularly asking you to comment or say which one of these is true, but it makes me think that, A, he either senses that there's something big that's coming out that he needs to get in front of, or he senses there's blood and water and that Mueller's going to be weakened and so he's going to jump out at him.
9: Sure, yeah, and I think it's, it's maybe even a combination of the two. He want to, with these public statements on social media, uh, it, it, at least it would seem this uh, to be part of the strategy. Is that the president is trying to discredit the Mueller investigation by calling it a witch hunt, by by putting out into the public forum a question as to whether there's political bias by Mueller or members of uh, his prosecu you know prosecuting team there of, of of investigators. And at the same time, uh, he he has talked, uh, he has kept open lines with uh, former staff members and uh, and confidants who have gone before. Mueller and his team and have been interviewed, and so he's getting a sense of the, of some of the questions that have been asked of his former inner circle, and you're right. He may be concerned about, uh, you know, a tightening... Uh, grip, you know, by Mueller in terms of, uh, moving closer to finding a target.
2: Greg Clugston from SRN news, the white house correspondent, Greg, we, we've seen this in the past in other administrations where an investigation is underway, criminal or otherwise, and it feels as though everything grinds to a halt that at least in the executive branch, all initiative, all forward thinking is gone because of someone just trying to cover their tracks. Is this what we're going to start to go into now on in a, a, a much higher gear?
9: It's possible a couple of things can happen. You can, uh, you know, a lot of it, uh, a lot of the uh, the Mueller special counsel team has been doing, uh, has been very closely guarded behind closed doors. There have been um, no leaks, if any leaks from it would appear from the actual investigative team. Um, Most of the leaks that uh, and the information that gets that, that comes out is from people who are interviewed by the team you know they get called in um, and they have you know answered the questions and uh, they are the ones that often are the ones talking to reporters and other individuals in washington and that's how details can can escape that way uh... but they have run a very tight ship in terms of of they what they know what they don't know and where exactly they are in that investigation so at times it can seem as if um, you know things are have quieted down and maybe have have you know halted um, although we do know that they are moving forward. And then the flip side to that is, what are the political repercussions, uh, not just for the president but for Congress and for you know, the nation's uh, you know, business in terms of uh, an effective mm-hmm. federal government and whether or not this continues to overshadow work by Congress and uh, whether or not the president's uh, own policy Uh, policies and his agenda can move forward when he's working under a cloud like this.
3: And how much does the criticism of Mueller's team being, you know, people who have only contributed to democratic causes, people that certainly leaned Clinton instead of Trump? I mean, how much does that has that hurt his credibility, especially at a moment like this?
9: Well, it's hard to it's hard to measure or gauge um, how much that that's put a dent. I'm sure it it does color, um, you know, the public's feelings and 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 opinions to some degree. What's interesting is that Robert Mueller himself is a registered Republican. He was appointed by the Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein, who is also a registered Republican, and he is a part of administration and a cabinet that was put together by Jeff Sessions, a Republican who was appointed by President Trump. So yes there are there are some registered Democrats who are who are members of the investigative team um, and it was it's also been pointed out that uh, you know the president likes to really pick at these um, at these investigators who may have donated in the past to uh, to Hillary Clinton's campaign. Uh, it's been pointed out that even Donald Trump, before he joined the, the political circle, uh, also was a um, someone who was a donor to President uh, to uh, Hillary Clinton in the past. So, uh, and and her husband's campaign as well. So it's just it, it's an interesting uh, strategy by this president to to try and discredit and mm-hmm. to uh, you know to put questions in the mind of people as they're looking at as uh, the validity of whatever the Mueller team comes up with.
3: I also wonder, Greg, if how much the average American is able to sort through all of the vagaries of the story. Okay. I'm telling you, it is it is a complicated, it's it's a complicated story, and we say on top of it because we have to. But I just wonder if, if, if the average American is just either pro-Trump or anti-Trump, just as they were before all of this started.
9: Well, yeah, I mean, we are a divided country, so I wouldn't be surprised if maybe the needle hasn't moved too much in either direction. Certainly, this is something that I, I think uh, a good majority of the American public is aware of. They know about this ongoing investigation. My guess and, and sense is that um, unless you're a hardcore political follower, um, you're not going to be you know, trying to navigate all of the various mm-hmm. levels and aspects of the story. It's, it's just sort of noise in the background, and a lot of people are just wanting it to be, be over one way or the other, mm-hmm. is my sense overall. Um, But what's interesting, too, is we also learned just a few hours ago that the president is adding another lawyer to his legal team, Joe DeGeneva. He's a former U.S. attorney, Mm -hmm. and he's been on Fox News and other um, interviews in recent months where he has been a staunch defender of Donald Trump and um, has has really accused the Justice Department of trying to frame the president. He's been very... um, you know, very specific in his accusations about what he thinks is uh, very bad behavior. So uh, the president adding a a really big, uh, you know, a big voice to his team here just uh, just today. And that, of course, follows the weekend of tweets that we've been just talking about as well.
2: From Salem Radio Network News, Greg Clugston joins us from the White House. Greg, so today the president went uh, to New Hampshire, first time since uh, the 2016 campaign trail, and he made an announcement about opioids. Can you talk about that as well?
9: Well he did he's um he's talked about this this epidemic before, but he was laying out a little more specifically today some of the uh, the details of his administration's plan and you know the plan includes you know things like uh stepped up law enforcement as well as treatment and recovery efforts as well as an educational awareness campaign so it has you know sort of the traditional components of what an administration policy may be into dealing with a crisis like this. Uh, What's getting a lot of news attention is the president's emphasis and focus on including the death penalty for drug traffickers, dealers. He even put doctors in that list that he says are responsible for contributing uh, to uh, opioid deaths uh, across the country. And one reason why he, he went to New Hampshire today is because that state has been very hard hit by this crisis. In fact, their death rate from opioids is twice the national average. So really? they're really on the front lines there.
2: Very nice. Greg, before we let you go, uh, we're just curious about the state of the cherry blossoms. How does the nation's capital look?
9: <laughs> you know, today is very spring-like. It's almost 60 degrees this afternoon. And then we've got uh, two to three inches of snow forecast for tomorrow and Wednesday. So, uh, you know, they have already had to adjust by a few days the, the peak blossoms. Uh, and we're just waiting to see if that gets adjusted further this week because of the winter weather coming in. Mm.
3: All right, Greg. Well, you know, whenever they bloom, could you just text us so that we can run down there? Maybe we can just meet on the mall, the three of us.
9: I'll try to, find, I'll try to send a picture to you. That'd be yeah. great. All Very right. nice.
2: Always a pleasure. Thanks enough for lot Greg Clugston, SRI News White House correspondent. More on Greg on our Facebook page, The Ride Home with John and Kathy.
5: Attention, credit card holders. The secret that credit card companies don't want you to know is getting out. Thousands of people across the country are now settling their debts for a fraction of what they owe, thanks to National Debt Relief. The secret is that if you're struggling with or simply can't afford your monthly credit card payments, you now have the legal means to resolve your debt with your lenders, substantially reducing what you owe into one low monthly payment. You don't have to worry about bankruptcy or falling deeper into debt. You can now save thousands of dollars even tens of thousands, and be debt-free faster than you ever thought possible. There are no upfront fees, and satisfaction is guaranteed. If you're struggling with at least $10,000 in credit card debt, medical bills, private student loans, or personal loans, call National Debt Relief now for a free quote on how much of your debt can be reduced. Get this free, life-changing information now by dialing 800-506-2760. 800-506-2760. That's 800-506-2760.
3: And Marley Financial has done it again. Now, many of you know or have worked with our friend Todd Marley at Marley Financial, and you know that they were the first and still the best option for individual health insurance, providing both traditional and non-Obamacare plans. But now they're also offering the best group health plans in the nation. Small, medium, even large groups, Marley's got you covered, giving you and your employees access to national networks, whether you want to go with a Highmark or UPMC or Johns Hopkins or the Mayo Clinic, wherever you want to go, Marley gives you the power to choose what's best for you and your employees, whether they're W-2 or 1099 subcontractors. Without the usual headache of things like minimum participation or employer contributions, just call Marley now and find out the details. 724-884-1496. Find what it's like to work with the most innovative agency in Pennsylvania. 724-884-1496 or online at marleyfg.com.
1: Hey everyone, this is Ed Glover from Urban Impact. It's time for today's Man Up Minute with
10: Pastor John Nuzo. God's love for us is both unconditional and impossible to exhaust. Jesus said we are to love one another as he loved us. You see, love is freely given while trust is earned. We sometimes get that backwards. While God respects our free will, our sin, even our rebellion against him, it doesn't impact his love for us. It's because of the unending love of God that redemption is available to anyone and everyone. How amazing is the grace of our God? At Urban Impact Foundation, the love of God is freely given to those living on the north side of Pittsburgh. They are attacking the sorrow that poverty and fatherlessness has produced with the gospel, love, care, and education. I want to challenge you today to consider joining their mission and becoming a part of this amazing work. Also, don't miss the annual Man Up Conference in June of 2018. I hope you were encouraged by today's Man Up
1: Minute. For more information on our Man Up Conference on June 9th, visit us online at manuppittsburgh.org.
11: I'm Robin Truszynski from the Original Mattress Factory. If you're considering paying retail price for a new mattress, this is your wake-up call. Why is there suddenly a mattress store on every corner? Well, just Google Mattress Markups. Original Mattress is a private label mattress brand sold directly to the public. We own the factory and the store. Why? Let's just say excessive markups don't fit our values. Just say no to the middleman. The Original Mattress Factory, thoughtfully made, honestly priced. OriginalMattress.com.
1: A more peaceful, healthy world happens one person at a time. Around the globe, there are children who dream of helping their families, who hope for the future, and who have a name. Know the person you're helping directly at Unbound.org.
12: Hardly sunny this afternoon, high 54. Clouding up tonight, there may be a bit of rain toward daybreak. Watch for a few icy spots, low 31. Cloudy and much colder tomorrow, with rain at times mixing with snow in the afternoon, the high 38. Mixed precipitation will change to all snow tomorrow night, and then in Wednesday morning, a few inches may accumulate. Lingering clouds, breezy and cold later Wednesday, high 39. I'm AccuWeather meteorologist Joe Lundberg on 101.5 Word FM.
3: Justin Whiting lives in Spalding, UK, and uh, he was shopping on eBay, bought a tintype for just seven UK pounds, which is about 10 bucks back in July. A tintype. A tintype. But he noticed a marked similarity between the youth in the picture on the tintype and a photo of somebody famous in a book. Okay, he says this quote, "I noticed the picture for sale was 10 bucks. It was a bit blurry on the site, but when I got it it was a lot clearer. And I thought to myself, gee, this could be a real photo. He said, I've been obsessed with American outlaws for years. I've read lots of books and studied their faces and this looks a lot like Jesse James." Mm. So, um, Jesse James, the outlaw, right? Prompted by friends. He contacted some forensic experts who apparently live in the U S they don't have any forensic experts in the UK. Anyway, um, they analyzed the picture and, um, he has been told that the photo could be worth at least $2 million. Now that is a nice payday.
2: Thank you. eBay.
3: 10 bucks to $2 million. Really? Really? Yes.
2: So it's a photo of Jesse James alone or is he in a group?
3: No, he's by himself. Okay. It's one of those uh, formal portraits where you're standing with your arm in the back of a chair. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? you yourself. Look, you look very austere. You don't really look like an outlaw. That's cool. But it's only about as big as like the palm of his hand. See, look at that picture there. I'm showing okay, you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So um, Jesse James was born in 1847. He was a train robber. He was also a bank robber. Uh, and a Confederate guerrilla during the Civil War, which I didn't remember. He was shot dead by Robert Ford, a member of his own gang, on April 3rd, 1882. Isn't that
2: funny, the fascination with that? You know, there's been operas about Jesse James. Mm-hmm. There's been n- a number of films. The, the recent film about Jesse James was fabulous uh, that had Robert Ford in the title. I forget what it was called. I didn't see that. Yeah, it was about, you know, the, the death of Jesse James. Plus
3: we have our, our Steeler. Clearly named after him. Exactly. You have to
2: delineate is it the outlaw or the stealer?
3: Rising to nationwide prominence Mm -hmm. and the most horrific miscarriage of justice the NFL has seen in years. You get that
2: right. Yes, it is. Let's
3: not go there. Yeah. So, anyway, so that's uh, $10 million or $10 to $2.3 million. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> wow. Nice job, <Nice laughs> John. Thank you. Okay, other collectors have hit the jackpot in recent years. I should say where I'm reading from. James Rogers wrote this for Fox News.
2: Other collectors, lately, You other, see something on eBay.
3: Yeah, they've hit the jackpot in recent years. A grainy 19th century photo bought at a North Carolina flea market for 10 bucks was found to show both Billy the Kid and his killer, Pat Garrett, potentially making it worth millions of dollars. And then in 2015, another rare photo of Jesse James and his assassin, Ford. What was his first name? Robert. Robert Ford. Uh, also surfaced, creating a lot of buzz. That's very cool. But this this guy has already been in contact with Christie's about scheduling an auction. Of course he has. So who
2: is interested in old tintypes or old daguerreotypes of American outlaws? Well, this I don't know, but here's the it.
3: thing. He wasn't looking for an American no. outlaw. He just was just kind of looking at an old tintype, and he thought it'd be interesting.
2: But you'd have to know enough about american west history and poured over the well yeah the he could, because he
3: rec he recognized yeah it. yeah when he got it and saw how clear it was he said wait a minute this looks like jesse james that's cool yeah it's amazing i bought a um i bought a classic photograph on ebay Did over, you? yeah maybe a month or maybe a month ago a photograph yeah um i don't know about this well and here's why I, yeah i forgot to tell you about this because you'd really like it um My family and I like uh, this little seaside town in New Jersey called Ocean Grove. Mm -hmm. And what I love about it is that it is super old, right? It's one of those Sunday school communities Mm -hmm. that popped up in, you know, the 1800s in America, like Chautauqua Institution. And this is a a, similar, like a a much smaller Chautauqua right on the uh, Atlantic Ocean. But one of the things I love most about it is it has an absolutely original ice cream shop that is like walking back in time really it has been like preserved Clavins. so uh better really better and i love Clavens. but it's just it has the uh the northeastern architecture it has the wood incredible detail on the outside it's mm. a brick building it has the original porch the the porch floor i mean it is so beautiful in its architecture that i just was fascinated with it anyway i bought an old photograph of it it's actually a postcard. Oh yeah. Um but it's back when there were horse horsing buggies out in front of it. Lovely. It's fascinating. But I read this and I was like, "Oh, do you think my postcards worth a lot of money?" No, it's part. I'm going to call Christie's. No. Say I got this postcard.
2: If Jesse James was in the postcard serving ice cream or just being on in the, in the horse carriage.
3: See, now you yeah. well, now you're ruining what are it. What do you going to do with that? I'm going to frame it. Are you, though? Yeah, I'm trying to do a little thing. Like, when we when we visit a place, I'd like to get a little memento of yeah. it and frame it and put it up in my house. Okay. You know, just kind of remember where we've been. Yeah. That's one of my favorite places. So I thought, why not, you know, start there?
2: Very nice. Okay, uh, let's take a break. We're going to talk.
3: What happened to Original Sin? Especially in America. Like original we, Sin. Wait, we, we, we talked about it before the show. I said, for people who don't believe in Original Sin, they must not read the newspaper.
2: Yes. Okay. There's an uplifting subject we can all get around. Original sin? It's next on the ride home. Pull over. Enjoy the conversation.
11: 101.5 W-O-R-D. Every day, people just like
13: you save lives through their gifts to food for the poor.
11: I helped
14: change the diaper
11: of this little baby
14: girl who was the teeniest, tiniest, skinniest child I'd ever seen. I almost started sobbing right over the diaper changing table. And a year later, we got to see a picture of this baby girl, and she was thriving, healthy. Mm -hmm. She even had chubby little cheeks, if you can believe it. And that is what you get to be a part of today when you donate to Food for the Poor.
13: Would you save kids now? Just call 855 828 4673. 855 828 4673. Or give online at wordfm.com.
8: Hello friends, Christ Church at Grove Farm invites you to join us for a special service on Good Friday, March 30th. Beginning at 6 p.m., we will embark on a service commemorating Christ's death on the cross through special music, hymns, and pastoral reflections on the seven last words of Christ. We hope you will join Christ Church for this unique telling of the gospel on Good Friday as we prepare to celebrate his resurrection on Easter Sunday. For more details on this and all of our services, please check out our website ccgf.org that's ccgf
7: I'm SelectQuote agent Dan Savino, and believe me, if SelectQuote isn't shopping for your life insurance, you're
1: probably paying too much. For a free quote, call 800-523-3771. That's 800-523-3771. 800-523-3771. Or go to SelectQuote.com. Since 1985, we shop you save get full details on the example policy at select slash commercials or price could vary depending on your health issuing company and other factors not available in all states save more with liberty mutual insurance hey what are you doing up here on the roof (laughs) i want to tell the world i just met the woman of my dreams what about you I want to tell the world that Liberty Mutual saved me $782. Liberty did what? They saved me
7: $782. Oh, you go first then. $782 really puts finding love
1: into perspective.
0: Visit us online to get a quote and you could save $782. Liberty Mutual Insurance. Based on a recent countrywide new customer survey, coverage is underwritten by Liberty Mutual Insurance Company, Equal Housing Insurer.
6: Discover Eden Christian Academy and discover an exceptional education where solid academics and authentic faith prepare students to step confidently into the future see what the largest non-denominational pre-k through 12th grade christian school in the north hills has to offer from whipio athletics to fine arts service activities and more eden christian academy christ-centered student focused and mission true since 1983 Visit EdenChristianAcademy.org.
7: If you're not in the club, you're missing out. Word FM discount shopping club members get up to half off great deals every day, right from your computer or smartphone. Like today, get twice the fun for half the price at Fun for All Family Fun Park in Cranberry. Get a hundred dollar value for fifty bucks, or fifty dollar value for twenty five, and enjoy the best family fun rides, games, and attractions, including the new XD Dark Ride. It's all for fun at Fun for All. Log on now to WordFM.com. Keyword shopping. From
2: the George W. Truett Theological Seminary in Waco, Texas, Roger Olson is with us to talk about original sin. Hey, Roger, welcome back. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you for having me again. Always good to have you.
3: Roger, there's a story in our local paper today about uh, 315 rare books that have gone missing from our Carnegie Library here. And some of, the, some of these books are valued at over you know, $2 million, yeah. right? And as we were reading the story before we uh, went to air, I said to John, humans can ruin everything. I mean, there's not one thing that we can not, like a public library that is just there for you to improve yourself. Right. And humans will find a way to wreck it. I can't. It's hard for me to believe that people don't like buy into original sin just by reading the paper.
15: Well, of course, everything depends on how you define original sin. And so my thought is that it's often misinterpreted by people. And if we could give it some new content, some new meaning that's truly biblical and also fits our experience, like the one that you just talked about, I think more people would buy into it.
2: Okay, so then, Roger, define original sin for us as you understand it.
15: As I understand it, of course, is also how the Bible understands it. I'm joking. (laughs) Um, But of course, I I do draw my ideas from the Bible as much as I possibly can. Uh, but there are different interpretations of what the Bible says, and you have different sayings in the Bible about Psalm 51, for example, says, I was conceived in sin and guilty from the time I was born, and uh, and yet Jesus said, Let the little children come unto me, for such is the kingdom of heaven. So there are conflicts about infancy, about childhood guilt. Are we born guilty of Adam's sin? The Puritans used to make children learned the alphabet, and started with A, in Adam's fall, we sinned all. Hmm. (laughs) That's one theory of original sin, (laughs) not mine. So my theory of original sin, and I think it's it's based on the Bible, is that we are born so corrupt uh, because we're born of Adam's uh, race, as Romans 5 says, we're born with death already at work in us because of Adam's sin, And so at some point in our life, as we mature and grow, if that is our destiny and we do live beyond infancy, uh, we do embrace that inborn sin, that inbred sin with willful acts of transgression against God, and that's when guilt is there, and we need to repent and believe. But from infancy, we're already corrupt.
2: So we look at little babies and the in the uh, hospital, and they, look how sweet and perfect they are. Mm-hmm. The fact of the matter is we've got a black mark on us from the, from the first breath.
15: I call it a ticking time bomb.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, it's a good way to look and at we're it. We're
15: born with a ticking time bomb that will explode into actual transgressions, uh, mm-hmm. rebellion against God, if we live long enough to that mythical age of accountability. And I don't call it an age. I call it a stage because it's different for every person yes. as far as the age.
2: So... From a modern American perspective, original sin is not really that sort of sexy sizzle we all look for, is it?
15: No. In fact, I, not too many years ago, went to hear uh, a secular psychologist, child psychologist, talk about children and so forth. And uh, she was speaking to a group of parents who had children and grandchildren. she said, the first thing I want to tell you is... That if there is any fault or flaw in a child, it is his or her parents' fault because children are born pristine and perfect morally. I wanted to stand up and just wave my arms and go, no, no, that's not not only not Christian, that's not really true experientially either.
3: Right, and I think anybody who (laughs) has... Who has a children kid. weeps at the thought, right? I mean, good, <laughs> good heavens, I have enough problem with all my own issues, let alone all my kids' issues come kid. on me. Here comes but
15: another that is one. a very popular idea
3: out there. Yeah. Well, and I think that, you know, if I think of. of my cross section of friends who aren't believers in Jesus—if I asked them if there was a such thing as original sin—I think they would all say no. They would say they wouldn't say that their parent that children are corrupted by their parents, but they would say that children are born good um, with every good inclination, but they're corrupted by "quote unquote" society, the world.
15: So there's actually a term for that in Christian theology. We call that Pelagianism. Mm-hmm. It's named after a Roman monk, or actually a British monk, who came to Rome at the time of St. Augustine in the 5th century and taught that exact thing, that original sin is is not really something we're born with, but original sin is something we catch. It's a social disease. We catch it mm-hmm. from our neighbors, our friends, our siblings, our parents as bad examples. They're just such bad examples for us, and we all give in to that, but we but we don't have to. And, and he held that we can actually use our free will to go a whole life long, say 70 years, and never sin once. Hmm. So and origin- then Augustine said, then why did Jesus have to die mm-hmm. for everyone? Uh-huh. Yeah, That, that that's- was the defeat, see.
2: So why does it matter? I mean, why do we even care about original sin?
15: Well, number one, because of the cross. So I believe that Jesus died for all of us, and that that says we all are sinners in some sense, whether we're guilty of sin or just corrupted by our being born human. We're all in this together, we all have this fatal flaw, if you will, of being born into the human race, and Jesus died for everyone, according to Romans 5, and, and began to reverse that corruption for us. So the cross, it's important. If we believed we could not sin, then, then we wouldn't need the cross. Mm-hmm. Secondly, I think that denying the universality of human sinfulness leads us into self-pride and believing that we can be perfect. And that was the great dream of people before World War I and World War Two, and right. that kind of killed that idea. No
3: kidding. I killed that oh. idea in such a gigantic way oh, that huge. I mean, just when you think about you know the 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 idea that the that human. Um Humankind was on a trajectory forward and things like war were going to be left behind and yep. things like suffering were going to be left behind. And then you, you see what happened in only a short number of years. I mean, I'm with G.K. Chesterton on this. If The common sense approach says, and, and you put this quote in your article, the doctrine of original sin is the only empirically provable doctrine of the Christian faith. Just look at me for more than five minutes. Yeah. I'll K- prove it G. K.
15: to you. G.K. Chesterton is a great fountain of quotations yep. for about sure. things like that. Love his Father Brown stories, too.
3: Oh, I know. Me, too. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, so Roger, maybe, especially when we're talking with people who aren't yet believers, it might be helpful to just do the common sense approach.
15: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So when I talk to someone who's not yet a believer about Christian belief, I don't really start with terms like original sin that I know are going to be kind of a turnoff because it carries so much baggage with it. And so I just start by talking about how Uh, As C.S. Lewis said at the beginning of *Mere Christianity, we all know in our heart of hearts that we're not right. We know there's something wrong with us. We know, even if we don't call it guilt, we know that we're not what we should be in our day-to-day lives, that we fall short. And Christ is the answer to that, and there is no other real answer to that than that God forgives us and, and grace restores us. And so I just begin with what we really know about ourselves and then lead to the Bible and say, and by the way, the Bible reveals who we really are, created in the image of God, therefore glorious in a sense, God's highest creation, but also fallen, broken. Uh, Pascal, the great Christian philosopher, said that man is a king sitting on a broken throne or a crumbling throne holding a broken scepter. (laughs) And that's the truth about us. And we know it.
2: From the uh, George W. Truett Theological Seminary in Waco, Texas. We're talking to Roger Olson. Uh, you can follow Roger at the Patheos blog. You'll see uh, Roger's articles, which uh, he writes many, and they're all uh, very well done. Hey, Roger, before we let you go, hey, Waco, Texas, um, I think of Waco, Texas, and I think of two things. I think of Branch Davidian, but now that's been replaced by um, the TV show with uh, Chip and Joanna Gaines. Um, and
15: I've met them. I've hey, shaken their hands. Tell us, us the nice story. Folks. Are they? Yeah, so... Yeah, and they had their big uh, festival this weekend. There were 150,000 tourists in Laco this weekend. Holy smokes. More than those of us who live here all the time. It was crowded. They brought so much attention, and thank God for it, because we needed to sweep away that memory of yes. the Branch division. Oh,
8: isn't that great.
3: great? Well, good for you guys. I'm happy to hear that.
2: Very nice. Yeah. We're Our doing
3: dr- very well. Thank you. Great.
2: Our pleasure. Thank you. Always it's good welcome. to have you. Roger Olson, what is original sin and where has it gone? Look for Roger Olson on the Pathios blog. Roger Olson from Waco, Texas.
13: Hey, I'm Brant. Maybe you've heard me talking about MediShare, but now I give
16: you my friend Sherry.
4: Yes, I have loved MediShare. Loved it.
16: Is that all you
2: have to say? Because this will be really short. And <laughs> no, outdated. I
4: really do love it. I've saved hundreds a month. And overall, I just think it's a better choice of a healthcare program for me. I'm really happy with it. And honestly, normally I don't even like talking about this stuff. Nobody does. But MediShare is different. MediShare members share each other's healthcare bills. We pray for each other. It's a not for profit. So we all save money. True. Tell them about the thing. What true? thing? The online thing. Oh, yeah, I used that the other night. MediShare members can now access a doctor online 24-7. You can get a prescription for the flu or something just that fast. So
16: MediShare can save you hundreds a month. You get to be part of the community. You get a huge network of doctors and providers to choose from.
4: It's all pretty awesome.
16: It's all pretty awesome. It's all pretty awesome. The final verdict from Jerry. So call
7: 844-41-BIBLE. That's 844-41-BIBLE. 844 844-41- 41 Bible. Individual results may vary. <laughs>
11: Sophia went through a lot of tutoring and got minimal results. For her ADHD, she was almost off the charts. None of the typical therapies met her needs. We felt like we were constantly playing catch-up. There was great guilt, like I had done something wrong. I hadn't taught my child what she needed to learn. She wasn't functioning in society. I knew, I knew this was going to be the solution. Brain balance is the answer for your kid because it didn't just mask the problems, it actually addressed the issue. That little girl that wants to do well, that wants to please, that wants to make the right choices, is actually able to make the right choices and to please now. This is not my kid anymore. This is this totally different kid. I don't doubt for a moment that I made the right decision in taking Sophia to Brain Balance. It has completely, completely changed our lives. Why
7: just mask your child's learning and behavioral issues when you can get to the root of the problem? Call Brain Balance today and make a real difference in the life of your child. Call 7- 724-390-9012.
1: that's 7243909012 finding a christian school that meets your student's needs and your high standards is simple visit pittsburghchristianschools.net and discover greater pittsburgh's best christian schools links to their websites location information and more pittsburghchristianschools.net If you're not in the club, you're missing out.
7: Word FM Discount Shopping Club members get up to half off great deals every day, right from your computer or smartphone. Like today, get twice the fun for half the price at Fun for All Family Fun Park in Cranberry. Get $100 value for 50 bucks or $50 value for 25. And enjoy the best family fun rides, games and attractions including the new XD dark ride. It's all for fun at Fun for All. Log on now to wordfm.com keyword shopping
2: I mean that's fine music. It's fine. However, Friday night, Kath, you were checking out uh Listen a to classic me.
3: Listen to me. I went to see Earthwind and Fire did on you? Friday night. I went to Youngstown, Ohio, that great metropolis so close by.
2: How did Youngstown get Earthwind and Fire? I don't Pittsburgh?
3: know. I don't know. Well, Earthwind and Fire was here Maybe a year and a half ago was Chic, which would have been a great show to oh. see. Except I, one of my daughters had a choir concert and I couldn't go.
2: Now wait a second, Earth Wind and Fire. How many original members? Three. What are their ages?
3: You know what? That's a really good question. That is a really good question. They've got to be seventy-ish. So it was, was four. Earth Wind and Fire. If, if you're not familiar with them, gosh, oh, well, how can you not be? I, you know, Everybody's you're breaking my heart. Um, I would say the preeminent, in my in my opinion, preeminent R and B group. In history, yeah, I mean they just—that's not a stretch. They were—they were, they were the foundation of so many things. Yeah. Um but it's 45 years this week that they formed. 45 years—they're
2: at least 70 years old. Th-
3: there are only three members left. There's, there's, I, I mean, and I didn't know. Like when I bought the tickets, it was for my husband's Christmas gift. We're huge Earth Wind and Fire fans. Um, I had no idea if any of the original members were going to be there. Right. right? I know that Maurice White, who's the founder, passed away last year. Um, g- fabulous drummer. But I didn't know who was still around. I thought maybe this is going to be, like, some guys who were, like, wearing Earth, Wind, and Fire shirts. I truly had no idea what it was going to be like. Jack Cunningham
2: and Earth, Wind, and Fire. Exactly.
3: So when the lights went down, I thought, okay,
2: right. we'll we'll, we'll see what
3: happens. I'm telling you, it started within 60 seconds. I thought, I'm home. Because I saw Verdeen White. And if you don't know who Verdeen White is, if you saw his picture, you would know him. He's the bass player. Yeah. And he... He, I don't know how old he is, but he looks like he did 30 years ago. Cool. He looks the same. He came out and I thought, oh my gosh, that's Verdeen White. And then I saw um, this guy come out and I thought, that cannot be Philip Bailey. And it was. Cool. It was Philip Bailey. Yeah. Let's have a moment. Kevin. Seriously, can you be in a bad mood when that's on? No way. When that came on, when they did that, when that came on, when they did that, it was like the whole place like lit up. The whole place was lit up the whole time because they have. It was two hours of hit after hit yeah, after yeah. hit after hit.
2: So who's singing those those notes?
3: Philip Bailey, and I'm telling you, what? he was singing just oh, like that. Did you have voice tracks? No, no, no. So, here, not- so here's the thing that was interesting is we were really close. We were in the tenth row. Nice. Because I had gone online and gotten tickets like a crazy person, yeah, and that show was completely live, really, because there were screw ups that's how you know yeah. that it's live is that there there' are screw, ups. The screw ups right, right, there were a couple... M- Let's start over. There are a couple of big scre- They didn't have to start over a song, yeah, yeah. but there were a couple of things that did not work. And as we were watching, I mean, we were so into the fact there is no track here. Yeah. There was nothing like these are the guys. I can't believe that. Really. I, can't I can't believe it either. I, it is so rare in today's world to see a yeah. show that has no track.
2: You and your husband? Yes. Or, and the kids?
3: We, no, just us. We were over the top. <laughs> over the top. I have a video up on Facebook, The Ride Home with John and Kathy. You can nice. see it.
2: Earth, Wind, and Fire.
11: Word that changes the world. 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh, a service of Salem Media Group.
17: With SRN News on
9: Keith Peters in Washington, authorities are offering a $115,000 reward for information leading to what they're calling a serial bomber who's terrorizing the city of Austin, Texas. Two people were seriously injured in yet another blast last night. Austin Police Chief Brian Manley tells KVUE-TV that the cause of yesterday's blast remains unconfirmed, but it may have been a tripwire. It
8: is very possible that this device was a device that was
15: activated by someone either handling, kicking or coming in contact with a tripwire that
9: activated the device. FBI special agent in charge Christopher Combs says they want to talk to the bomber or bombers. We have people here to talk to him. The profilers are here from Quantico. They're interested in talking to the bomber. We have agents here from all different kinds of squads anxious to talk to him to try to understand what. Why is he doing this? On Wall Street, the Dow down by 336 points. This is SRN News.
14: Hi, it's me, Marsha, at the Springhouse. Did you know Easter's springing up on us? And quickly, too. Do you know what that means at the Springhouse? Well, first of all, it means you can enjoy the freshest, tastiest fried or baked cod every Friday night on the farm. It also means it's time to call and order your Springhouse Easter goodies. Our hickory smoked hams are extra special. We use only real hickory wood from the farm to slow Smoke these old fashioned treats to perfection. Order a whole or half and we'll send along cooking instructions too. Mmm, how about springhouse scalloped potatoes and homemade applesauce to go without ham? Finish off your meal with a from-scratch Springhouse coconut cream pie or custard pie or a chocolate log cake. Oh, and you can even decorate your table with our adorable bunny breads and eat them, too. Easter also means our annual Springhouse Easter egg hunt and Palm Sunday feast. Check us out at SpringhouseMarket.com for all the details. Celebrate this most joyous holiday at the Springhouse in 84 Pennsylvania.
2: Hi, this is John Hall. You know what's so amazing about my pillow? How fast I fall asleep. I don't know about you, but when my head hits my pillow, I'm out in seconds. Seriously, if you were to put me under oath in a court of law, I can honestly testify that my pillow is the best pillow I've ever had. Period. And that great night's sleep can be yours anywhere you go because inventor Mike Lindell is continuing his terrific offer this month for Word FM listeners. His four pack special includes two full size My Pillows and two Go Anywhere pillows. Great to toss in the car or in your overnight bag. Plus, where else are you going to find a pillow that comes with a 60 day money back guarantee and a 10 year warranty? 10 years! Just call 1-800-961-9207. Use the promo code WORD to get the four-pack special. Or enter promo code WORD at MyPillow.com to get the four-pack special today. That's 1-800-961-9207. Or visit MyPillow.com. Use the promo code WORD.
6: Discover Eden Christian Academy and discover an exceptional education where solid academics and authentic faith prepare students to step confidently into the future. See what the largest non denominational pre K through 12th grade Christian school in the North Hills has to offer. From Whippeople athletics to fine arts, service activities, and more. Eden Christian Academy, Christ centered, student focused, and mission true since 1983. Visit EdenChristianAcademy.org. The one problem I have with my minivan is the automatic closing doors.
7: Word FM presents Ladies Night Out with comedian Amy Barnes.
6: Because they make it really hard to express your anger to your children.
7: 7 p.m. May 11th, Mother's Day weekend at Impact Christian Church.
8: Because sometimes you just need to slam something on them so they know how you feel. And with my van, it's like...
7: A night of laughing, shopping, and dining. Doors open at 5 p.m. Get tickets at wordfm.com.
12: Hardly sunny this afternoon, high 54. Clouding up tonight, there may be a bit of rain toward daybreak. Watch for a few icy spots, low 31. Cloudy and much colder tomorrow with rain at times mixing with snow in the afternoon, the high 38. Mixed precipitation will change to all snow tomorrow night. And then in Wednesday morning, a few inches may accumulate. Lingering clouds, breezy and cold later Wednesday, high 39. I'm AccuWeather meteorologist Joe Lundberg on 101.5 Word FM.
1: Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy. This hour, our in-studio guest is David French, who will talk about polarization in America and the church, is there a way forward? Thanks for joining us today. Here are our hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons.
2: Well, greetings. greetings Steve. Good afternoon. Hey, you've seen them around Pittsburgh often, the uh, Volvo SUVs. With a little whirling dervish on top.
3: Makes me angry.
2: Identified really as a uh, Uber self-driving car. However, after what happened in Arizona last night, we will not see those self-driving cars on the streets again anytime soon.
3: Uh, Tempe police said that Elaine Hertzberg, age 49, was walking outside of a crosswalk when she was struck by an Uber self-driving vehicle just before 10 p.m. Hmm. She was taken to a nearby hospital where she later died. This is uh, believed to be the first incident of its kind. Is anybody surprised?
2: No, no. I think everybody knew this was coming. You you know you just go feel so bad for the for it's the horrible. victim. It's horrible. So she was walking outside of a crosswalk. Right. So does that say she was jaywalking? She just kind of. Well,
3: yeah. You know, if you're walking outside right? of a crosswalk, let right. me tell you. The I would like to try to assess the percentage of times I walk inside a crosswalk, which has got to be less than ten.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think. Okay. Just, so
3: am I an Uber target?
2: Yeah, I think we all I are. I think so. Right? If you're walking around the streets of downtown Pittsburgh or wherever you are, right? Yeah, yeah. Listen,
3: I just I I have a problem with self driving cars as technology yeah. i just do this is a this is tech i cannot get behind because it will if we pursue this it will result in about half of united states workers losing yeah. their way to earn a living I, mean, I
2: don't think it's a matter of if we pursue this we are pursuing this i don't this. think i, I don't uh, this they're is, not going to put a halt get, to this this is going to be a big thing. industrial so, so, change so
3: because so with technology whatever we can do we do Right, basically. I mean, is is there no gate on us? Is there is there any morality or ethical consideration that can enter into this Mm-mm. technical pursuit and say, you know what? I feel like this is a thing we shouldn't do.
2: No, I don't think so. Um, will there, you know supposed brakes be put on this a little bit? Sure, but I mean, look, you could have had this similar argument when the automobile itself was put into place, right? There, the first auto accident fatality. I'm sure there was you know a lot less consternation and I mean, certainly. So- coverage so but it's the same kind of thing
3: how many hundreds of thousands of pedestrians have been killed by people driving cars right I get that it's but what I'm saying is if I hit someone in my car then I am responsible right our judicial system uh, mandates that I pay a penalty yes who pays the penalty if I get hit by a self-driving car yeah so how does justice work in a future that has a driverless car
2: to be determined
3: well we be better determined. But see this is my problem. Shouldn't we figure that out before we have the self-driving car? It's like when marijuana was legalized and after it was legalized in Colorado, recreational marijuana. Then there were all of these people saying, "Well, wait a minute. We can't assess if someone is pulled over for impaired driving. We can't assess if they're actually high right. because there's no breathalyzer. There's no breathalyzer that works with marijuana the way it works with alcohol." Right? So how are we going to how are we going to be able to tell now nobody thought of that before they no. passed recreational marijuana usage in Colorado. I'm sure nobody never ever thought, thought of it. that. But you know, but eventually
2: technology will catch up because there are apparently things on you know there are tests out there right now that can determine if someone is is impaired.
3: But there aren't. That's the problem. There are tests but they don't come back for 24 hours or 12 hours or something like that. So if you pull somebody over you're not going to wait there for 12 hours to see if that that person is actually high.
2: If I suspect that they're high,
3: right, that's a problem that they're having in the states that have recreational. <laughs> recreational there. marijuana usage. Now they can guess based on how you're acting or you are looking but it's at not your not eyes like, or but it's the not smell. like a, it's not like a breathalyzer where you have an actual number right. right that is that is attached to your record and this is this is you know a, a scientific determination you are over the limit. They don't have that for no, marijuana. No. They sh- they should have decided that before they passed the law. I feel like before self-driving cars come into common usage We need to figure out how justice works for someone who's injured.
2: So here's the learning curve, right? This happened, what, uh, about a year ago where uh, an Uber driver uh, in in a self-driving car was killed. The driver himself was killed. When an 18-wheeler pulled in front of the car and uh, the technology didn't notice it, it was as an 18-wheeler and the the poor person was killed instantly. Same kind of thing here. So so I guess – So whose fault is that? It's Uber's fault, but who's culpable legally – yeah, but no one's gonna go to but jail nobody, at so, Uber. So
3: nobody's culpable. So there's no justice. Our 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 justice system doesn't have any category for that.
2: What? Corporate crimes.
3: Do they, do they have? So, so Corporate manslaughter. Okay. So, okay, so is, it's like Robo. Okay. So co- corporate manslaughter is a thing. I am mean, not a legal scholar in any way, shape or form, but I assume that's a thing that exists. So we'll is that, a is soon. that, is that what Elaine Hurstberg is going to, family is going to be able to say is that no, it's I'm Uber's sure, f- fault that she died. It's the like corporation's think so, yeah. fault.
2: Although I'm sure Uber will come to court and say, well, she was, you know, violating the law. She was outside of the crosswalk. She was jaywalking. And so, you know, Okay. Well, Wasn't did, for did you
3: did you know that in this accident this weekend that there was a vehicle operator behind the wheel? Yes. Okay. So is he? What were they she, doing? Is he or she culpable?
2: I don't know. That's a good question. I have no idea how this. Somebody
3: works. has to. Somebody has to be culpable. What's, someone what, has to be responsible. What will happen death of is Obama. there'll
2: be a civil. You know, there'll be a civil judgment. Someone will. See, the family will receive. You know, X amount of millions well, yeah, of dollars. Yeah,
3: but if I hit someone in my car, it's not going to be a civil judgment
2: eventually it would it be it might
3: it might not be it might be a criminal judgment depending on what both. depending on what what was going on that caused the accident to happen yeah, right yeah but but i
2: don't think the president of uber is going to face a criminal trial in in manslaughter
3: right but this is my fear going forward you see where i'm going sure, though I do. when, yeah, I, when yeah, I think I get when point. i think about 20 years from now and i think mm. well so you know you get hit by a car well, and, you know, well, look you're, at that. you're saying, Kath, get me justice.
2: So we see the first, you know, the first uh, driverless car fatality. When will we see the first artificial intelligence uh, fatality? If that's not already happened, right? Where robots, you know, go on a killing spree or there's an, uh, some sort of an accident. I mean, that's all to be determined right. in the future ahead. Yeah. A well, brave new world.
3: I heard an, an AI story over the weekend that I thought was interesting. It was a story about um, artificial intelligence and it was engaged in, in a... Um, in a game, uh, and and the game had to do with with it was like a it was like a, a race, you know, involving uh, people who were in you know vehicles. They weren't cars, but they were vehicles, right? Yeah, and there, yeah. and so there were people who were going against AI, okay, and the AI did. What the programmers did not expect, and this is the problem with AI, right, is that you can't actually predict what it's going to do. It's just going to reach the goals that you tell it to reach. Yeah. So the goal that, it told that, they, that the programmers programmed it for was to win, right? So what happened is the race started and they all were going around the track in one direction and the AI just turned around and went the other way. And started knocking off the other people. What? Yeah, started knocking off the other people.
2: Knocking off how?
3: Well, just I don't like physically pushing kind them of pushing them out of the way, right? Pushing them out of the way. What? Well, because that because its goal, what it was programmed to do, was win, right? So they, Wait, ne- so, but they the never, AI wasn't well, thinking. They, they ne- yes, it was
2: thinking independently.
3: Yes, that's what it's that's what it does is it thinks independently. So it's programmed to win. But they never thought to program it to go By clockwise, the because they're because we think as humans that we know what the rules of that are, and so it's going to go clockwise. But guess what? It didn't go clockwise. it went, or, it went the other way. It knocked us the other people, and it won. Huh. So here's the thing: never are we going to be able to think through all of the eventualities of AI.
2: Well, I'm sure that you know. Look, even on campus right now at, the Carnegie, at Carnegie Mellon University. There is, you know, philosophical, psychological, emotional, mechanical constraints that AIs are going to somehow have to be imbued with, right? I mean, this is this is the eventual future. This is the future, whether it happens in fifty years or less, right? We're, we're headed in that direction where we essentially are, you know, producing human-like, god-like structures.
3: I could use a lawyer.
2: You're going to get a lawyer. David French is going to join us in a few minutes uh, in studio. David French has been a frequent guest on our show. He is in town tonight at the University of Pittsburgh and tomorrow at Grove City College. Our conversation with David and about his life and uh, why he's here in town will continue in just a few minutes. Stick around. It's the Ride Home with John and Kathy, the Monday edition as we make our way together. 101.5
11: 101.5 WORD.
7: Jay Sekulow agrees with the president's firing of Rex Tillerson. You know, we do a lot of work with the State Department, and we're working on one case right now for Pastor Andrew Brunson, and frankly, some uh, new leadership there I think could be helpful for this. I, r- I really think it, uh, it could be helpful. There was differences between Rex Tillerson and the president on Iran, on Paris Climate Change, and on Jerusalem, the recognition of Jerusalem. Jay Seculo Live, weekdays at 1 p.m. on 101.5 WORD.
0: Crisis. It impacts everyone. It's personal. Crisis is inevitable.
4: Nothing like this has ever happened to me before.
0: How will you respond to those who are hurting? The Billy Graham Rapid Response Team invites you to a Sharing Hope in Crisis seminar. This one-day events being held in Swickley at Christ Church at Grove Farm on Saturday, April 14th. It's sponsored by Project Prairie Pittsburgh. You can find more information at billygram.org.
7: rrt That's billygrahamorg slash RRT. For over 35 years, First Baptist Christian School of Butler has quietly offered parents one of the most affordable, high-quality Christian educations around. A complete education from pre-K through 12th grade with free busing, smaller classes, an extremely high teacher-student ratio, competitive athletics, and SAT scores well above the national average. Think an affordable Christian education is beyond your reach? Think again. First Baptist Christian School of Butler at butlerfbcs.com.
3: Dentistry isn't what it used to be. It's
4: really come a long way. Stock
7: Family Dentistry's Dr. Megan Stock.
4: The pain management techniques, the comfort that we can offer now really make it a much more pleasant experience. We have a great team. They really help to put a patient at ease. Dentistry in my opinion
3: shouldn't be a fear inducing experience and it really I think goes a long way for patients when I'm able to develop that one-on-one Relationship with them.
14: On
7: Perry Highway in Wexford at Stock Salem Media Group of Pittsburgh, parent company of this station, is looking for a full time traffic assistant receptionist to work 30 hours a week, 11 to 5, Monday through Friday. Previous radio experience with order entry as a board operator or working with logs is a must, along with a knowledge of radio terminology and traffic procedures. Assist with order entry, log prep and reconciliation and invoicing, plus front end reception and other administrative duties. Apply now at wordfm.com jobs. Salem Media Group is an equal opportunity employer.
2: Hey, welcome back. Thanks for being along today. David French is with us. David's been with us multiple times on the show. David's a senior writer for National Review, a senior fellow at the National Review Institute, an attorney concentrating his practice in constitutional law and the Law of Armed Conflict, and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. He is also the author or co-author of several books, including most recently the number one New York Times bestseller, Rise of ISIS, A Threat We Can't Ignore. David's at uh, the University of Pittsburgh this evening and tomorrow at uh, Grove City College. David, good to see you in person.
16: Yeah, thanks for having me. It's great to see you guys in person. I mean, I don't
3: know how many times we've talked on the phone, but this is much more fun. Countless,
16: countless, yes. (laughs) All right, have,
3: have you been to Pittsburgh before?
16: I have, I have. I've been... A few times. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I lived in Philly for a little while. I didn't know that. Does that
3: mean you're an Eagles fan?
16: You know, I'm a Titans fan, Tennessee Titans, which is usually a long and miserable. It really is. I'm sorry for you. Yeah, it's long misery, but we've turned it around a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good. A little bit. A little bit. (laughs) That's right. We'll we'll take it. When you're looking up at the Jacksonville Jaguars, it's still not good. It's (laughs) a very bad place to (laughs) be in the NFL.
3: (laughs) All right, David. So for our guests who aren't familiar with who you are, Mm -hmm. um, can I ask you to tell your story? I mean, ahead of speaking tonight at Pitt, speaking tomorrow at Grove City, I'm – I think more than anyone we know, you have a vast cross-section of things that you've done in life.
16: I think that's another way of saying I still don't know what I want right. to do when I grow up. Right, and yeah. we can't put you in a category. <laughs> no, I I, um, so I, I, grew up in Kentucky, uh, went to a college in a small college called Lipscomb University in Nashville, okay. Christian College, and then went to law school at Harvard, very different experience. And then spent a lot of time, you know, the next 20 plus years doing a lot of different things in the practice of law. I started off as just a commercial litigator in a big law firm and then started to do a lot of First Amendment work for churches pro bono Mm. and uh, also for, um, you know, embattled college students and things like that. And Just uh,
3: because that was your personal bent?
16: I had studied con law, a lot of constitutional law in in law school, and I had founded the first, I think it was the first dedicated pro-life and religious liberty club at Harvard Law School. Wow! And good for you. So I had that interest, and just you know, being in church, I was uh, people would call and ask for advice, and one thing led to the another, and I was representing churches and religious student groups. And um, after a while, I decided to become a um, become a civil liberties lawyer full time, and I ran for a time the Foundation for Individual Rights and Education in Philly. Mm-hmm. And then I joined the Alliance Defending Freedom uh, and, the, and then the American Center for Law and Justice and did a ton of work on college campuses. I used to say, I don't, I don't know if it's still true, but at one time it was true that I've I've sued more colleges and universities for violation of, of the First Amendment than any other living lawyer. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I'm very proud of that.
3: <laughs> Somebody had to.
16: Yeah, and then um, – in the middle of all that, I joined the uh, Army Reserves and uh, volunteered to go to Iraq and was in Iraq in the surge in 07-08 with the 3rd Armored Cavalry Regiment. And uh, almost three years ago, I left the full-time practice of law. I uh, got out of the military, and I joined National Review full-time writing. So.
2: So that's where you are right now. That's where I am right now. So let's go back then uh, the story of being a, a lawyer and being successful in your practice but then September 11th happened and of course for, for a lot of people there was a change in how they looked at the world and so you did something about it
16: Yeah it actually took me a while it was September 11th happened then the so I was 32 when September 11th happened and then the Iraq and I thought I'm I'm just too old to do anything and then the Iraq war started and it started grinding on and on. So in 2005, uh, the Army raised its minimum age for recruitment to age 35. And at that point, I was 36. And I felt like I, – I felt convicted that I couldn't keep supporting a war, that I wasn't willing to fight myself. And so um, to make a long story short, uh, my wife got on board. And uh, at age 36, I walked into a recruiting station in downtown Philly. I said, my name is David French. I'm a little bit too old. Uh, but I want to become a JAG officer because, you know, I'm a lawyer. Right. And I had no idea what to do with me, really, because they're used to recruiting, like, infantry guys. 18-year-olds. 18-year-olds. <laughs> <laughs> Here's this, like, a bald, you know, lawyer <laughs> with a bit too much of a gut comes in. <laughs> and they uh, got cool. me to Fort Dix uh, in, in uh, New Jersey for a physical. I passed physical. And uh, so that was September 2015. Um Spent several months getting together my JAG application packet, my application for an age waiver. And then by um, May of 2016, I was accepted, sworn in, and was at officer basic training in Fort Lee, New Jersey. And part
3: and, of you had to think, how did this happen?
16: Oh, well, you know, all how along the way. How did get here? What's basic
2: of, training like?
16: Yeah, it's, well, you know, I'll say this, for for officers, at that, it's not quite the same. Okay. Um, it's still hard. Yeah. I mean, it's still hard. It was very, very challenging. Uh, but it's so funny because I was older than the vast majority of the other guys there. And so they called me the professor uh, because I'd spent some time that. as a law professor at Cornell Law School. And uh, so they called me the professor. And the difference is, you know, when they're telling you, the drill sergeants are telling you to drop and give them 20, they're saying, drop and give me 20, sir, because you're an officer. Uh, but that was. Uh, that was a great experience. That's that's the – when I knew I had made the right decision, even though at one point in a field training exercise, I dove away from simulated enemy fire right into a patch of poison ivy and mm. ended my basic training with poison ivy from head to toe, which nice. is no fun.
7: Oh,
2: my but, uh God. So then after basic training, you head overseas.
16: I did basic training, and then I did the Army's um, – what's called the JAG basic course for, for um, your legal Army legal training. So you have to do your – How to become a soldier and then how how to become an army lawyer training back to back. And I finished that by April 2007. And then in uh, October 31st, 2007, I was leaving home and heading to Iraq.
3: And you were there for how long?
16: I was there from October 31st till the end of September of 2008. So 11 months.
3: I got to tell you, David, I mean, we've talked about this a ton of times, but – I admire you so much for that simply because, first of all, I didn't do that, and I never thought of doing that. And you might say, well, yeah, you're a girl. But still, (laughs) it's different. We in America today are not used to giving up anything. And when we talk about the greatest generation, we label them that because we realize we're not like them.
16: Yeah. You know, it's funny. The actual words that triggered the the bout of conscience— I was reading these, a news article that said that the age limit had been raised raised to 35, and I remember getting so mad because I supported the invasion. I supported the war effort in Iraq, and I looked at my wife and I said, our country is getting too soft to fight a long war. Mm-hmm. And as I said that we're living in this tremendous apartment in mm-hmm. Center City, Philly. I have a dream job. I have a wife. I've got two great kids at the time. Now I have three great kids. and uh, And – all of a sudden I felt this conviction, like, how can I say those words and not do something about it? And so that's when I looked at my wife and she looked at me and her initial thought was, don't even think about it. Don't say that. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah,
2: right. She thought, I've
3: seen that look in your eyes before. (laughs) But
2: clearly she supported you.
16: Yes, she did. Absolutely. You know, it it came about, she was, the next day I had said, just, let's just pray about it. The next day she's walking with my son, who at the time was very young, outside of a uh, Independence Hall in, in Philadelphia, and there's the, you know, the statues of the founders are around mm-hmm. there and the signatures of the Declaration of Independence are in the great and the uh paved stones and mm-hmm. on the ground. And, and my son's just looking at all these people and these signatures. And he's he says, uh, what are these people? Who are these people? And my wife says, well, you know, they were the founders. Well, didn't mean anything to him. Sure, They were, you know, soldiers and lawyers and 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 planters and pastors and But they were all patriots. And so he looked at her and he said, are we patriots? Or no, he said, what is a patriot? And my wife came up with a tremendous definition just on the fly. And she said, a a patriot is somebody who loves this country more than they love themselves. Mm. And then he says the killer question, are we patriots? (laughs) At which point my wife just says, looks at him and realizes the import of it and says, yes. And so, you know, when I came home that day, she said – you got to do this and i and i said if i do it i'm going to go to iraq and she said you got to do it so that's when i went down to the uh, recruiting station holy wow. smokes
3: thank you for your service thank you for your service
16: it was my privilege yes. it was a great decision
2: so i guess the 64,000 dollar question is in that time and your service what did you learn oh my goodness
16: <laughs> so many things you know when i was in iraq people often ask me um, you know in a nutshell what did you learn when you're in iraq and and in Iraq, I learned two things. A deployment is harder than I ever imagined that it would would be. And then the other thing is the enemy is far more evil than I imagined. And so I realized the necessity of fighting the jihadist enemy uh, even more. And it, it came home to me more um, than I thought it would. And there's a lot of other things that I learned. And, and so it, my idealism about nation building and all that was just shot Just completely shocked. But it didn't make me think that we were wrong to be over there fighting because the evil of the enemy was so profound. Mm -hmm. So, on the other hand, on the one hand, if you think, well, we went to Iraq to nation build or we're fighting in Iraq to nation build, well, no, no. Um, That's, you know, if if Iraq is going to build a functioning nation, Iraqis are going to have to do that. Um, But that's not the same thing as saying, if we're not going to nation build, we shouldn't be there because there's still an enemy force that has that is you know that has the worst of intentions. And we saw you know what happened after we pulled all the way out, and what happened when ISIS took all of that territory, how it you know spread jihad um, through you know well outside of the Middle East, how the terror uh, threat spiked in Europe, they began to spike again here in the United States. Mm-hmm. When you leave safe havens for terrorists, they will strike. Yeah. So you have to take out those safe havens, even if what comes after isn't some sort of, you know, utopian democracy.
2: David French is with us from the National Review. He's in town this evening at the University of Pittsburgh and tomorrow at Grove City College. We'll take a quick break, and our conversation continues in just a few minutes. A little stretch there. Stick around. David French continues on.
1: everyone, this is Ed Glover from Urban Impact. It's time for today's Man Up Minute with Pastor John Nuzo.
10: God's love for us is both unconditional and impossible to exhaust. Jesus said we are to love one another as he loved us. You see, love is freely given while trust is earned. We sometimes get that backwards. While God respects our free will, our sin, even our rebellion against him, it doesn't impact his love for us. It's because of the unending love of God that redemption is available to anyone and everyone. How amazing is the grace of our God? At Urban Impact Foundation, the love of God is freely given to those living on the north side of Pittsburgh. They are attacking the sorrow that poverty and fatherlessness has produced with the gospel, love, care, and education. I want to challenge you today to consider joining their mission and becoming a part of this amazing work. Also, don't miss the annual Man Up Conference in June of 2018. I hope you were encouraged
1: by today's Man Up Minute. For more information on our Man Up Conference on June 9th, visit us online at manuppittsburgh.org. Join Pittsburgh Theological
7: Seminary for a day with author, activist, and public theologian Brian McLaren on Wednesday, April 25th. A free workshop, Creating Communities of Spiritual Activism, or If I Were 26, What Kind of Church Would I Plant in 2018, will be held at 10 a.m., In the evening, a free public lecture titled How Our Churches Can Help Heal a Divided America will take place at 7 p.m. Registration required. Learn more at pts.edu.
13: I'm Todd Chapman with Food for the Poor, and I want to thank you for the amazing outpouring of love during our campaign to save starving children in Haiti. During this month-long campaign, we're endeavoring to save over 900 kids. These are kids who are going days without eating. They're drinking contaminated water, water that can make them sick or could even kill them. But friends, your gifts of love and compassion are making a difference in this despair, in this hopelessness. You're giving Food for a Year and Water for Life through the ministry of Food for the Poor. It's food and water that comes hand in hand with the love of Christ because it's administered by pastors, by ministries right there on the ground in Haiti. We're more than halfway to our goal, but friends, we still need your help. Would you give a loving gift right now to save kids? $50 provides food for a year and water for life for one child. And we have a special matching partner on board to double your gifts. Please call now with your generous gift, 855-828-4673, 855-828-HOPE, 855-828-4673. You can also give online by clicking the Give Life banner at
7: wordfm.com. Get away without going far. Lose yourself without being lost. At Antiochian Village near historic Ligonier, 300 acres of pristine woodlands await to refresh and inspire you. With 100 hotel-style lodging rooms, 20 meeting rooms, amazing food, and award-winning desserts, it's 360 degrees of mountain views bathed in the warmth of Christian hospitality. Book your next church or youth retreat now at antiochianvillage.org.
12: hardly sunny this afternoon, high 54. Clouding up tonight, there may be a bit of rain toward daybreak. Watch for a few icy spots, low 31. Cloudy and much colder tomorrow with rain at times mixing with snow in the afternoon, the high 38. Mixed precipitation will change to all snow tomorrow night. And then in Wednesday morning, a few inches may accumulate. Lingering clouds, breezy and cold later Wednesday, high 39. I'm AccuWeather meteorologist Joe Lundberg on 101.5 Word FM.
2: Welcome back. David French is with us. He's a senior writer for the National Review, a senior fellow at the National Review Institute in town this evening at the University of Pittsburgh and tomorrow at Grove City College.
3: Well, I'm thrilled you're speaking at those two institutions, David. You know, I'm a Pitt grad, and I, I, the church I go to and work at is on the Pitt campus. So I, I love the, the students of the university there and the faculty and that whole environment. But I have a child that goes to Grove City, mm-hmm. so you're kind of, you know...
2: Straddling the yeah, two. That's right.
3: Hitting both of my favorite places. Um so knowing you were coming in, I, John and I were talking and thinking about how things have changed over the last, well, let's say, over our lifetimes when mm-hmm. it comes to uh, conversation on college campuses, right? Right. And, Secular and Right. And what, what's allowed, what's encouraged, what the atmosphere is like. And I was thinking back to a David Brooks piece he wrote in The Times, I think it was l- not last summer, but the summer before, summer of 16, where he said, look, you know, I spent most of my life and work in the Ivy League schools, but I find now that the only open mind truly open minded atmosphere is on Christian campuses. Right. Now uh, the irony of that is deep.
16: Oh, it's amazing. And and if you were to say that to somebody who hadn't spent any time on Christian college campuses. they think that's crazy. They would say that's made completely that up. nuts. You're so in the ghetto. Completely nuts. But that's been the case for a while. I mean I went to a college in from eighty seven to ninety one at a college that was we had Daily required chapel and daily required Bible, um, you know, curfews at 11 p.m., no drinking, no dancing, no shorts. I mean, we're talking – No script. card playing. Uh, well, you know, rook and spades. Okay, that's but certainly okay. not not with dancing <laughs> associated. Yeah. No, right. No poker. No poker. That's right. And I kn- classroom conversations were free and uninhibited. I mean, all ideas could be challenged. You could challenge everything that the school was te- was teaching – uh, that the Bible professors were teaching, and you could do so with impunity, and the students welcomed the challenges. I mean, uh, we were talking in the break about we had some atheist students who went to this Christian college. Why did they go? You know, I don't know. Maybe their parents made them. But we were eager to hear from them and eager to engage with them. And so I remember thinking, well, that's that's what college is like, and what's going to happen when I go to law school at Harvard is I'll meet people who are also eager to engage, but they'll just have a lot of different perspectives than what was, were present sure. at my Christian college. Yeah. And what I found was, yeah, there were some people who were very eager to engage. I mean, I was like um, a person who had landed from another planet to them. you know, Because com- you
3: were conservative? Because
16: I was a conservative Christian. Many of them had never had a conversation with a conservative evangelical Christian in really? their lives. Wow. Yeah. And so from that standpoint, some were. But others were not ready to engage. I mean, you were I, the enemy. Oh, I was shouted down in class. Uh, people would send notes uh, in my inbox, uh, in my the handwritten notes that would be put in my box at, at school, my mailbox, and it'd say things like, "Why don't you go home? Why don't you go die?" Um, and this is just
2: over intellectual discourse. Or this is over
16: this is over disagreements mainly about abortion policy or constitutional law or religious liberty. Um, I would say things. About you know the free exercise clause and the First Amendment, and I'm trying to make an argument about it, and you would have people start hissing in the middle of class. It was so bizarre. Um, and so that was my introduction to intolerance in the name of tolerance. And it was more of a elite university phenomenon back then, and, and it kind of hit a wave and then receded for a while. Wow. But now it is – now it's permeating mm-hmm. up many layers. Right. Full court of the press. Game. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. When you have, you know, what happened in 2015, where there was a college football team about to boycott a game at the University of Missouri over, you know, demands by student activists and things like that. That's when I realized we'd hit another whole level of this because you don't mess with SEC football. You can exactly. Right. So you, you can, can mess do a lot of things. academic freedom, right. but you don't mess with SEC <laughs> football.
8: Right.
2: right. So then. This evening, University of Pittsburgh. Tomorrow at a Christian college, what you do this often, right? Yeah. You go on campus. Uh, You change the message, obviously, that fits the the contours of who you're talking to. Or do
3: you have to?
16: I don't really have to. It you know, it's just different topics at different places. Usually, Um, the Christian colleges often want to hear different things, Um, whereas the secular colleges and universities, at the secular colleges and universities, I'm much more going there. Except tonight tonight I'm talking about the facts and fiction of fighting ISIS. But normally when I go to a a secular or a big public university or a place like Berkeley and places like that, what they want to hear is my perspective on free speech. Uh, They want to hear my argument for free speech Mm -hmm. or my argument for religious liberty or my argument on – from a conservative perspective on A, B, C or D. Um, When I go and I speak at Christian campuses, what they're often asking me for is not my argument, but my analysis. Mm -hmm. What is happening to free speech? What is happening to religious liberty? Why is that happening? So at the the Christian colleges and universities, people are often looking at the wider culture and saying, I'm perceiving a threat to my liberty. Why is that? Where is it coming from? What can we do about it? Whereas when I go to a place like Berkeley – I often have to convince them of my right to be there and my ability to speak and that why they should respect my rights to free speech. Right. But this
3: is what I've always appreciated about you, David, and I know we're up against a break. But what what I've appreciated is that you are well-reasoned enough that you can stand in that environment. Um, Your writing speaks for itself. So it's not as if you are inflammatory – it's not as if you're you're a hater. It's not as if you're going in there with all guns blazing. You're just going in there right. with your arguments and your reason. And I mean that should. Plus, that, you've been in
2: the military. Pl- you can take on all comers. <laughs>
16: you need to be my
3: publicist.
2: <laughs> right. this
16: is
3: great. No, I'm just saying. Look, that's sh- that's what the university is supposed to be, right? That's what. That's why we spend 150, 250 thousand dollars to send our kids there. Or the so they ideal learn, of it. So they right. learn how to think.
16: Well, I enjoy it. I'm, I really enjoy it I because. You know, one of the things that you're what you're doing is it's almost like you're being an ambassador from a foreign country, right. and you're explaining your culture mm-hmm. <laughs> to uh, you know to folks from a foreign nation. Because the groupthink that is set in at a lot of these colleges and universities is so profound that you you really it's hard to underestimate how much they or how little they have been exposed mm-hmm. to opposing ideas. And if they have been exposed to opposing ideas, it is very often in the in the context of teaching against them, so they're not being they're not having say an advocate of free market economics explaining free market economics. They're having it explained by a professor who's hostile to it to debunk it, mm-hmm. um, or you know free speech or religious liberty. They're they're not getting the kinds of arguments that you would expect when you have true intellectual diversity.
2: So there's no intellectual deep dive here. This is just a, here's a boilerplate statement and we'll stick with this and I'll explain why. Well, you know, some of the
16: professors are very good. You know, I had some professors at Harvard Law School who were all, all of them that I had were left of center. Some of them were actually very, very good at explaining all points of view and very talented at it, just like there are conservative professors who are very talented at explaining liberal p- perspectives. But the fact of the matter is when you have an ideological monoculture, often those very talented professors are the exception, not the rule. Whereas if you had intellectual diversity and you had ideas constantly being tested, the quality of the
2: instruction would be considerably better. Mm. David French is with us from the National Review. We need to take a, a quick break, but please stay with us. Our conversation continues in just a couple of
1: minutes.
14: One point five W-O-R-D.
13: It's a day of hope with Food for the Poor on Word FM.
7: I can tell you that Food for the Poor is very helpful for us. Very helpful by
15: sending money, by their prayers also. I think they are very helpful for us, very supportive. It's a very good community. And I can tell you that this pediatric unit is like, like that because all the transformation that we made from the last
13: five years is because of Food for the Poor. Would you save kids now? Just call 855-828-4673, 855-828-4673, or give online at wordfm.com.
11: I'm Robin Trzynski from the Original Mattress Factory. Waiting for a mattress sale? This is your wake-up call. Every holiday, an outrageous sale. Every day, a different price. At Original Mattress, we have never had a sale. Why? Typical mattress sales don't fit our values. We can offer affordable luxury at the same fair price every day because we hand-build your original mattress right here. Spend your holiday at home, not in the mattress store. The Original Mattress Factory, thoughtfully made, honestly priced. Visit OriginalMattress.com.
2: When it comes to selling you a mattress, most retailers are handing you a line, a long line of extra steps that drive up costs and create confusion. At the Original Mattress Factory, we simplify the mattress shopping experience by building mattresses and box springs in our own local factories and selling them direct to you. It's short, sweet, and simply makes sense. So experience more than just a mattress store. Experience an original. The Original Mattress Factory.
0: Crisis. It impacts everyone. It's personal. Crisis is inevitable.
4: Nothing like this has ever happened to me before.
0: How will you respond to those who are hurting the Billy Graham Rapid Response Team invites you to a Sharing Hope in Crisis Seminar. This one-day event's being held in Swickley at Christ Church at Grove Farm on Saturday, April 14th. It's sponsored by Project Prairie Pittsburgh. You can find more information at billygram.org. That's
17: billygram.org. Do you have money in the stock market? Are you watching it bounce all over the place? While you're focused on the short-term movement, you might actually be missing what time it really is. We are late in the business cycle. Interest rates are flying higher, and overvalued stocks and bonds are going to come down. It's time for a new strategy, gold. My name's Adam Barada. I'm the founder of goldisabetterway.com, and I'm so certain gold is going higher in price and going to outperform stocks and bonds. I've created the world's first gold retirement protection platform ever built. If you have an IRA or 401k, I want to give you free access. Once you see this, you'll have no choice but to agree, and all you need to do is call for your special code. Call 800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. On a recorded line, you'll get a special code. You can join the site for free. No salespeople, no rigmarole. Just call 800-900-8000. Get your code. Get it now. Gold is a better way. Gold is a better way. Gold is a better way.
15: One company is on a mission to put a million people to work each year. Sounds like a big number, doesn't it? Not to Express Employment Professionals, seeking a skilled labor position, or administrative work. Maybe you're an executive looking for a career that fits. Morning, we take pride in connecting the right people with the right company. Express Employment Professionals is on a mission to put a million people to work each
7: year. Let us help. We'll open doors for you. Visit expresspros.com slash West.
2: Attorney, writer author of best-selling Rise of ISIS, A Threat We Can't Ignore. David Fringe from the National Review is in studio with us today.
3: David, I want to talk about uh, perhaps the word of the season, polarization. Yes. Right. Um, We're living it. Uh, John and I were talking before the show started about, um, you know, during the Obama years, it seemed as if people of faith were relatively aligned against the president uh, policy-wise except for african-american believers right who's continued to support him right but then uh, when the obama years were over and then the the crazy uh, Republican nomination season went through and we realized that Trump was going to be the person who got all of a sudden there was a new polarization, right? Yes, so we've lived it. W- right. So we had, <laughs> we had evangelicals who were going to support Trump because well, at least he was better. He might be mm-hmm. crazy, but at least he's better than Hillary. Um, you were representing a different group, which right. said, you know, over my dead body, right? Um, am I going to support the president? And you and your family uh, suffered greatly yes. for that.
16: Yes. It it was awful. (laughs) It was terrible. And it it started actually in 2015. Um, We had called out – it started even before I sort of became this uh, Never Trump uh, writer when we had critiqued one of Trump's biggest supporters, Ann Coulter, um, who had used some language that was very reminiscent of the alt-right, the alternative Mm -hmm. right that is essentially a white identity movement um, that has – that attached itself to the Trump train. And um, we got hit immediately by all kinds of online uh, threats, Uh, pictures of my seven-year-old daughter who is adopted from Ethiopia was photoshopped into gas chambers with um, a photoshopped picture of Donald Trump about to press a button to kill her. Um, She was photoshopped into slave fields, Um, pictures of dead or dying African-Americans were put all throughout the comment section of my wife's blog. She's a writer. It was awful. It Brutal. was so bad that neighbors were worried because our the way our neighborhood is is a little confusing and and FedEx people always deliver packages to the wrong house and, I see. and they were saying, "Well, what if somebody's coming for you and they come to our house?" And it was it was very I disturbing. Some of
3: them were concerned for you too. Yeah, oh, they were. Hope. They okay, were. Okay. Yeah, they right. were.
16: And then um And then it really got even worse in 2016 when I – in in March, I came out as a never-Trump. I was not going to vote for him. I wasn't going to vote for Hillary. I was not going to vote for either one of them. And and it escalated another level to the point where we then – my wife received a very specific death threat um, when she was on the phone with her father, my father-in-law, a very sweet older man. Uh, someone actually broke into the phone call and started spewing profanities at my father-in-law and at my wife which was very strange we we got the FBI to look into that uh, still a mystery as to how that happened it was it was brutal it was really really brutal and but I wasn't the only one i mean there were there were people when they when you crit, when you criticize trump from the right and often too from the left but in particularly when you criticize trump from the right those alt right brigades would come down on you like a ton of bricks. And especially if you were a Jewish conservative, my friend Ben Shapiro, Mm -hmm. he received more threats, uh, uh, more anti-Semitic harassment than I think any other journalist, all other journalists combined in the 2016 election cycle. Uh, I have other friends who are journalists who installed security systems in their home for the first time, who went and they got handgun carry permits for the first time or purchased a weapon for the first time. That was the climate that existed in 2016 for people who criticized Donald Trump particularly on the conservative side. Has it abated at all it was it was interesting the instant Trump won it all disappeared it all disappeared it was campaign related harassment now what did not disappear were interpersonal tensions. So what I've noticed in the and particularly in the Christian world there's sort of three broad camps there's One camp says, I voted for Donald Trump. It was the right thing to do. You need to support the president. Um, He's making America great again. He's the only one who could have defeated Hillary. No regrets, no surrender. Then there's another camp that is, I supported him, and I just – I'm sad about it. I'm just sad about the whole thing. You know, push. Comes I probably from,
3: would do it again, but I still, right. I still don't like it. Yeah,
16: and I had a conversation with a, a gentleman who just articulated exactly that position, like two or three days ago. He said, "I voted for him. I don't regret voting for him. He was better than Hillary, but I'm just sad about all of this." And then there's another camp, which is, which is pretty much the camp that I'm in, that says, "Look, I'm going to applaud him when he does the right thing. I'm opposed when he does the wrong thing, but I'm very cognizant." that he is doing something to our larger culture that is very, very polarizing and dangerous. Yes. And so I'm not I, I'm not going to play small ball where I'm just looking at I like this regulation and I like this judicial decision or and I don't like this tweet and I don't like that tweet. I'm going to look at the whole picture and and notice that, you know, something that's, something is happening and it's not just Trump something's happening in our larger political culture that is deeply corrosive. Yes.
2: So, I mean, you look at media and, you know, like a lot of us, you know, we read mainstream media. I read the New York Times every day. I would say nine out of ten stories that you read in the New York Times, they are anti-Trump stories. So it's such an uphill. I mean, for for any truth or any relativity to come out of mainstream media, that's just not going to happen.
16: Well, and the thing is, we don't all read the same thing. So, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day who said, how is it that evangelicals can support Donald Trump. And I said, look, you're dealing with two different information sets here. So you have – what you're doing, you're reading the New York Times and you're reading the Washington Post and maybe you're supplementing that with Huffington Post and The Nation and things like that. You're going to get a picture of Donald Trump that is extraordinarily monstrous.
0: Yes. Mm -hmm.
16: Now, if you're reading – if you're watching Fox exclusively and you're reading uh, conservative sites and you're seeing all those things pop up in your feed – and especially if you're evangelical, you're often seeing all these reports, reports like there's a Bible study with the cabinet. Here's this picture of people laying hands on Trump. Oh, here's a story I heard where he's a baby Christian. Here's another story I heard where someone says he's been more respectful to evangelical leaders than other politicians. And then when you the other stuff you'll watch is you'll see the debunking of those mainstream media stories that are too far or are false. Mm-hmm. So you see a lot of stories being debunked, a lot of uh, mainstream media stories being defun- debunked. And then you see a lot of stories where they are talking about good things. So you'll still see the tweets and you'll still see the bad stuff. But the overall picture you get is really different. And then always, 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 when there is something that you could really critique Trump about, people can say, but what about this? What about this other thing? And so there's this natural defense mechanism. He's not as bad as you think he is. And whatever he's done, somebody else on the other side has also done it.
3: And that's where we get I think, and by we I mean the church Capital C, I think that's where we get Into trouble because if we Are, if we're looking at our guy mm-hmm. and we say, well, I mean, yeah, our guy might do this, but look at that, their yeah, guy, that guy, their guy did it worse yeah. eight years ago or ten years ago. So, therefore, I'm not sure what that means. That means that it's it's okay for our guy to do. I mean, well, it, yeah, that's kind of where we are.
16: I mean, and people look at it and they say, well, Bill Clinton did this or Hillary did this or the Obama administration did this. So, and I say, so what? Because what what aboutism does, and that's what this phenomenon phenomenon is called online, is what mm-hmm. aboutism, is it lowers you to them, it doesn't elevate you, right. and so mm-hmm. the community that should be the least likely to engage in what aboutism should be the evangelical community, and I wrote this in response to a story that Michael Gerson put in the Atlantic, and I so said the real th- the real sin I think of the evangelical community in the 2016 campaign and in the post campaign of 2017. We really just became just another interest group. Um, it's not that we were worse than anybody else. It's just we were just like everybody else. And this is for the followers of Jesus Christ. We've essentially said, okay, we're an interest group. We're going to take politics and look at it completely transactionally. Whatever he does for us is good. If he does good things for us, that's great. We're going to be loyal to him so long as he does good things for us, even if he's you know, had affairs with porn stars or all of the other things that he's done. And that is not the role of the Christian witness in American public life. And it also ignores the powerful cultural impact that a president has. And and evangelicals used to understand the power of that cultural Mm -hmm. testimony. Now they're ignoring it for the sake of saying, well, you know, he'll do better for us than the Democrats, so I'm also going to defend him when he goes over the line. No matter what.
2: Right. I mean, we've become just another group, but in many ways we become worse than the other groups because we have a, a, a deeply higher standard and we've just turned our backs.
16: We aspire to be better and we're not better. And and we're often now proud of not being better.
3: Right. But we're also not better in two different ways. Mm-hmm. I think the other side also needs to be said that our calling is to, is to be tr- people of truth. And so when... Because so much of the mainstream media is allied against the president, he will never, ever, ever be able to do one thing right. Well, that's not the truth either. Right. So another reason I've appreciated your writing is I feel like you have given him credit when he has made – when he has made decisions that are, you know, on the side of truth, the right truth, on the side of decency, on the side of justice, and we have to be people that can say the good and the bad. We of can't just be partisans.
16: Yeah, absolutely. And he's done some good things. Sure, you know? without a doubt. And so I'm happy for him to do those good things. I love this country. Right. I want the people of this country to have prosper more prosperous, prosperous lives. And so when the when he does things that I think will advance the common right. good, I'm going to celebrate it. And he responds to praise, and so you know one of the things you you find is that when you praise him for doing good things, he'll often do more of that, mm-hmm. or at least you know it's sometimes I'll say, not say often, sometimes do more of that. But you also have to rebuke when he go when he does when he does the things that are wrong. Right. And but here's right. where he has evangelicals in a box, and I hear this all the time. He has such a premium on loyalty. Now he's right. not loyal, but he demands it from others. Demands it that if they critique him, he feel they feel like they will jeopardize their access and their ability to influence him. So
0: we tamp it down.
16: Tamp it down, and so they say we 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 voted for him to get these good things through. If we criticize the bad things, then he won't do the good things. Mm -hmm. And so they get. It's almost like a kind of blackmail. You have to support me and through thick and thin, or you won't get the goodies.
2: David French is with us from the National Review. We're talking about a lot of different subjects. He's in town this evening at the University of Pittsburgh, tomorrow at Grove City College. We've got a few minutes left, so stick around. More of David French straight ahead.
0: Crisis. It impacts everyone. It's personal. Crisis is inevitable.
4: Nothing like this has ever happened to me before.
0: How will you respond to those who are hurting? The Billy Graham Rapid Response Team invites you to a Sharing Hope in Crisis seminar. This one-day event's being held in Swickley at Christ Church at Grove Farm on Saturday, April 14th. It's sponsored by Project Pray Pittsburgh. You can find more information at billygram.org slash rrt. That's billygram.org slash rrt. Sponsoring a child with compassion is the most effective way to end extreme child poverty. Release a child from poverty in Jesus' name. Sponsor a child now at
7: compassion.com slash radio.
2: David French from the National Review in town here this evening with us at the University of Pittsburgh and at Grove City College.
3: Christians throughout all of time, David, uh, our loyalties are tested, yes. right? And, um, and, you know, are you going to be – are you a friend of Caesar's? Are you a friend of Bill Clinton's? Are you a friend of Barack Obama's? Um, but we're called to be friends of Jesus, first right. yes right so that has to be our ultimate loyalty but th- to- in today's america it's easy to get confused
16: oh it's very easy you know i hear christians actually comparing uh trump to king david as as right. crazy as that sounds right. david, yeah yeah because he was david a flawed was deep, leader lead- but he was still ex- a man after exactly. god's own heart but so in that analogy who's nathan who's nathan and that's <sighs> well, that's a good that's, question who, that's the role of the church the role of the church is not to defend david go you know Go and say, you know, on on the Jerusalem News Network that, uh, no, he didn't – David didn't actually murder anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a general on the front line. That's, that's a misunderstanding. I, that's a misunderstanding. That's not murder. That doesn't meet the elements of the homicide statute. He's totally mm-hmm. fine. Um, that, that's what you see a lot of Christians doing now instead of doing what Nathan did. and Because Nathan understood where his loyalty ultimately – where his loyalty ultimate, loyalties ultimately lie. And – and so he confronted the king, and, and that's the role of the church. The church isn't to apologize for the king mm-hmm. the, unless, you know, unless the king is right. But when the king does wrong, speak confront, up. Yes. confront, yes.
3: Right. So you don't belong to a tribe. No. I, You're tribeless.
16: I'm tribeless right now. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think we're part of that. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> you don't belong
16: to what you, you don't Do you feel belong.
3: good about that decision?
16: I do. It's liberating, though difficult, mm-hmm. because we, we human beings like to be with. Yeah. Connected. relationships. Exactly.
3: We like to feel accepted. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
2: David, uh, thanks an awful lot. We've a always enjoyed having you with mm-hmm. us, and in person, that's a good thing as well. Well, thanks for having me. This has been fun. Our pleasure.
3: So tonight at the University of Pittsburgh, tomorrow at Grove City College, all the information about David French available right now on our website, johnandcathyshow.com, and on Facebook, The Ride Home with John and Kathy
1: the ride home with john and kathy a production of word fm and salem communications
8: this is michael medved for town